Hello and welcome to another episode of the VR Download, a weekly show recorded live from the Upload Virtual Studios, where we bring you the latest news reviews, comments, and interviews from the VR industry. My name is Kyle, Operations Manager at Upload, and let's check out the rest of today's panel. Hello, I'm Jamie. I'm the Senior Editor in the UK, um, and I have an American visa so that soon I can be a senior editor in the U.S. too, as of this week. Look at me. Very cool. Congratulations. Thank you. Ian Hamilton here, managing editor. Welcome. Let's just first say hello to everyone watching. I'm doing the comments this week. I'm not very good at comments, so if I forget every once in a while, please forgive me, guys, but we really appreciate you being here. Uh, So hello to Kevgret. It's good to see you again. Hello, Danny B., joining for the first time today. Thanks for being with us, man. Uh, or, Or lady. Danny, either way, I don't know. Um, see, I'm terrible at these. Creature 101, <laughs> nice to meet you. Rendered Reality, hey, how's it going? Hello, James. Warren. There are loads of people. Hello, Xena. Wait, no, you're a ghost. You shouldn't be here. Anyway, <laughs> let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This will be fun to edit. All right, so let's get into the news discussion. And uh, this week... We've got a few pieces to talk about. So the first piece we want to talk about is this new Samsung Odyssey. It's got four cameras. It was spotted in a Chinese design patent. Now, it doesn't necessarily make it a real product yet, Mm. but it's there. And it looks like something from the movie The Fly. It has also been described as looking similar to a uh, certain women's attire. Uh, also, butts. As, also, but people oh, talk true. about butts too. Yeah, it and like also, yeah, a, some people think know. that. Yeah. Wow, <laughs> I have a really good feeling about this headset, guys. <laughs> well, what do we people know about? Want it? it to look really space age, right? They want it to, like some of these headsets. They can be kind of bland looking and. It's fun to make them kind of weird looking. Yeah, Acer had a really weird looking Windows uh, VR one, didn't they? With like all these panels at different angles on it. Uh, it looked very kind of retrograde, which is pretty cool. Um, I, I we don't know a lot about it though, right? It it literally just is this patent. It was quite a surprising thing to see because I think we'd all assume that Samsung had kind of not given up on VR, but was putting it to one side for a while while it focused on AR. Right? Would you Would you guys agree with that? <laughs> Yeah, I don't know because, yeah, go ahead, yeah. Ian, you go first. Well, well, yeah, sorry, it's just uh, OLEDs. I mean, Samsung has sort of the market uh, leading OLED displays, so they can display blacks uh, in the headset really well. Here and you go. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I took a uh, go Cena spot. Um, <laughs> no, it's a uh, they've got the OLED display technology, which allows them to display really, really good visuals, uh, particularly in in dark scenes. So, like, mm. if you're going through the mines in Arizona sunshine, those look really, really great on uh, Samsung panels. And so there's a really good sort of argument to be made that Samsung could do a really good media viewer headset or a headset that really gets those visuals that people really uh, desire when it's in dark areas. So there's a reason for Samsung to sort of demonstrate it and focus on uh, what they can do with their technology that others can't with LCDs. Yeah, I think just because Samsung's relationship with Oculus slash Facebook has uh, evolved, changed, uh, it, it doesn't mean that Samsung is like, well, you know, forget this. We're not going to do VR anymore, AR or whatever. I think that they have uh, a, 
a good chance of being a strong presence in the market. I mean, if you look at the Odyssey Plus, uh, mm-hmm. in my opinion, it's one of the better headsets I own. And uh, I'm not a big fan of the Windows MR controllers, but uh, I think seeing Samsung with patents like this, you know, however old this is or if it'll ever actually be a thing, I think it's promising to have a big name like that in the industry making a headset. And I don't know about back to the comment about AR is AR is still very much a couple years away, at least in order to expand the field of view to a really comfortable level in order to get the power consumption down so that you can actually wear the things all day and uh, do the occlusion so that objects actually actually look like they're hidden in the real world. All those things are still years away. And so I don't know if Samsung can really do AR just like anyone else can really do AR in a really compelling way short term. So it's kind of well, there's a reason rendered reality a makes a good VR point. Like term. like back on the VR side, he says that uh, he or she says I need, I need to get my pronouns right this episode. Um, he, they would love to see uh, Samsung come out with a new VR headset. I'm hoping uh, they branch out and get away from the Windows Mixed Reality platform, which is a really interesting mm. point, I think. Is this, if they are going forward with something like this, is it something that runs on the Windows OS again, or is it going to be a Steam VR headset? Or, I mean, if it's using the inside out tracking, it's not going to be a fully Valve endorsed thing, surely, but I, I don't know. They, you know, they could go in so many different ways with this one. It's a really fair point because there's a lot of value to Samsung in making sure that no one dominates the platform war that's coming with with VR. So like it's it's really valuable for Samsung to partner with multiple companies and multiple platforms to make sure that there's mm. competing companies and competing platforms and they're not getting, you know, uh, railroaded by like people from one company being able to dictate prices for their components. If you have mm-hmm. multiple companies sort of competing, it really helps Samsung. Competition drives quality. That's a very common phrase. And I think it's important to have a lot of big players, like well-known yeah. brands and names too. I mean, that's that's why I, I, I do hope this is something they're going to go forward with personally. I I was actually someone, I love my Rift S, that's what I'm wearing right now. But I was really, I was someone that was really hoping the Vive Cosmos was going to be something that could replace it. You know, just that I was willing to pay just a bit more to push, get a little bit extra visual fidelity and everything like that. But it didn't really work out that way, I don't think. Um, And I would really like to see, especially now that we have the Quest right, I would like to see uh, Samsung come out with a PC VR headset that was a decent price, push things on a bit over the Rift S because thanks to Oculus Link, you know, as we say, you know, week in, week out, there's almost, well, there's not a whole lot of reason to buy a Rift S at the moment. So I, I personally am. Um, Some people are screaming in the comments, I'm sure. Cause... Oh no, what have I said? <laughs> yeah. What I mean, did I do? No, it's just, it's just, there is an argument to be made that Rift S, I mean, Facebook argues that it's the best visual quality that they have right now. Yeah, but and, not, by, you know, not by a huge margin, right? Still, to some people, that margin will matter. Is that yeah, that's what true. I'm saying. That's fair enough. Like, yeah, if I, we could I just get a different headset or a different head strap, like if I could take this head strap and put it on my Quest, uh, I would start to agree with you. Yeah, uh, well, that's true. It, that's true. Yeah. That's, yeah. That gets to the next steps that we hope to see from Facebook. Like, I, I think they would be. Uh, I think there's a real opportunity to do a Quest Pro sooner rather than later and get it up to 90 or 80 frames per second, balance it out better, maybe do better audio where it's, you know, the index off-ear speakers 
and uh, put a battery pack or put some computing on the back See, of the headset. All those things can be done I, pretty. Yeah. I think it's a missed opportunity. I think yeah. all of these manufacturers, and I've said this before, I just don't know in what medium. Uh, <laughs> why not make the headset itself, this part, modular and the head strap and have different options? That way you can go and try. Like some people like this form and some people like that. That way you don't have to have a uh, no-all say-all. Well, this that is was the only of... strap you can get. That was kind of the cosmos, sort of. Yeah, yeah well, the cosmos yeah. wanted to be right. It just ended up being that the cosmos was like six hundred or seven hundred dollars. I forget which. And then there was like the first uh, add-on for it, the Steam VR tracking add-on. It was an extra two hundred dollars, and all that did was walk you back to Steam VR tracking if you wanted mm -hmm. it that way. And it was like, well, mm -hmm. why wouldn't? You? So it was, and they never came through with the phone thing, or at least they haven't yet. Um, but I agree. I think that's a really, really smart way of doing a PC VR headset and. Um, yeah, yeah. It would just be really well, nice if Samsung did that or someone. And if did you that. created a standard, if you created a standard, imagine having the ability to say, okay, I'm going to put my head strap on. Which front, which headset am I? Yeah. You know, am I going to stick to it? And that way, when you go to upgrade, you're only upgrading that component because you yeah. don't ever have to upgrade your head strap. It's yeah static. Mm. Yeah. Do yeah. you have any? comments yeah creature one one was asking what our thoughts on psvr are we all i think we're all well we all like apart from me and we all like psvr i do think <laughs> psvr would be an interesting headset to the tracking <laughs> so, that's stupid tracking i like turning around darn it i'll say it every week this is fantastic i love this whoa i can turn around psvr I, I, what if what if towards the end of the you know we're we talk a lot on the show and on, on the website moment about how PSVR has kind of like some, uh, let's say, quieter days ahead of it, probably while we wait for the PS5. What if Sony kind of went official with the PC VR support? Because that yeah. some people have been able to make it happen. But what if they came in with a more streamlined way and then you could get a PC VR headset that also works on your PS4 for, let's say, well, you, can, you can find them for about 200 bucks these days. That, that could be quite interesting. Hmm. we talked about that previously of like you know who does that benefit the most and i don't know if it benefits steam to add that support and i don't know if it benefits sony to add that support and in, in mm. yeah, i just well, don't know just, that there's enough benefit there to each of them there's a there's a rumor right that um horizon zero dawn a you know a big playstation 4 exclusive game is going to come to pc and that's something that quite a lot of people have heard now um so that would mean then that by extension, if you had PSVR running on Steam or something, Sony could bring Blood and Truth to Steam or something like that, you know, could bring Astrobot to Steam. That's, that goes so, back that's, to the argument of like, I think we need to see unexpected team ups this year in yeah, 2020. So like, true. I still want to see that. It's just, I don't know what the arrangement of those team ups look like or whether they'll actually come to fruition. It's just, mm. well, I, would it, love I think to it see all depends. More Is it the expansion ways. of the audience or the the almighty dollar that drives people right now in this yeah, industry. I think that's an important piece. Uh, hey, let's move on to the next piece of news, which is about the Walking Dead Saints and Sinners. It looks like a crouching hot fix has been released. Mm. So for all of you folks who were hoping to be able to <laughs> What's you know, going on? do something basic like this, oh, there we you're going to be able to do it now without just pressing with this hot fix. Oh, you just want to push a button. That's not fun. That's not immersive. No, no, no. It was the other way around. So when the game released, uh, you had to push a button to crouch. And uh, if you tried to crouch in real life, the game would kind of reset the camera back up here. Mm -hmm. um, now, Why do you think I, they built I, it I, that way? Hmm? Why do you think they built it that way? 
possibly platform agnosticism uh or possibly uh the camera that they were using or the 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 model that they were using for the for the player had some restrictions based on other features they need there's all sorts of potential reasons why they would have done it i mean who knows different like height of people like to yeah but i mean then again maybe they had a bunch of people test it and that's what they wanted Mm. yeah i I, I always wonder if like they put that feature in there to protect themselves if they want to ever do a flat screen version of the game i I don't know like such a such a vr specific title i had Mm. i wrote a editorial this week saying that actually walking dead is one of the first or or one of a growing number of uh pc vr games that i don't think you actually really could pull off on flat screen and so yeah the it could be that ian but then at the same time i don't really think you're going to be able to play the Walking Dead Saints and Sinners well with either just a normal gamepad or, you know, let's say you try to play them with Oculus Touch without the headset. I don't think that's going to work because I think, you know, the depth perception and the feeling of force is so important to what makes that game fun. I think if you took those things out, it'd be a pretty um, a pretty bleak experience, I think. Um, have yeah, we seen I, anybody do... Oh, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to go back over to the comments. Some of, some of the guys have been talking about... Uh, um, like the Amazon 5G service that was announced this week and how that could do some interesting things for like wireless and VR, which I think is a pretty pretty interesting thing to be talking about. Me, uh, me, Heaney, and Zena will be going to Mobile World Congress in Barcelona in uh, in February. Barcelona? And that's always in Barcelona. Barcelona? Yeah. yeah, there. You haven't seen that NerdWallet commercial? I see that like... 800 times. Uh, I mean, I'm in the UK. Like... We haven't seen the same commercials. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. <laughs> um, Did you see but the yeah, that's, commercial, that's though? usually a show that's really yeah. big on, on 5G. We um, saw that one. So that was a UK I'll commercial. I'll be checking that out. Are you two still talking about commercials? Yeah. E.T. We moved on. Okay. <laughs> <Fair> <laughs> on. E.T. wearing an Oculus. E.T. wearing an Oculus product. A, a, E.T.'s on Facebook, apparently. Had to sign yeah. into his account. What? <laughs> oh, this is, this is dreadful. No more jokes about E.T. <laughs> No more. It's 2020, and we're doing a VR podcast. No one can joke about ET anymore. I d- so if you disagree with Jamie, leave it in the comments. Oh, yeah. <laughs> ET is is a great person. A lot of love for um, a lot of love for Saints and Sinners in the comments, though. Uh, rendered reality really likes it. Um, someone, Chris Richardson, says they tested Saints and Sinners. It was designed to be a seated experience, which is an interesting comment. Um, mm. And that's true because the game is coming to PSVR as well, and maybe they were designing uh, with that in mind as well in the first place. I think I one thing I tweeted this week was that, or last week maybe, was that when you, uh, as VR reviewers, we have we are learning day by day, um, just as much as other people are. And yeah, we, me and David, loved The Walking Dead. We found loads of stuff we really, really liked with it. Um, and I picked up on the crouching thing. David picked up on the crouching thing, but. We're just having such a good time with the rest of the game. We never really considered it to be important to mention in a review or anything like that. And then, you know, you look at the the first couple of days of response online. That was an incredibly important feature to someone. So I think it's a lesson for me and David and developers as well. And anyone that's, you know, into VR criticism to to really try and take just yourself out of the experience and remember, like, the, the massive range of options you have to accommodate for in VR. And how something that might annoy you slightly is really going to annoy some other people. And it's it's a tricky thing to get right. But I'm glad this seems to have got like a, 
a fascinating to put that in context of boneworks too right yep. boneworks had the had it was it seems like boneworks was on a different like scale of rollout like just mm. the, the number of reviews they had how quickly and still their reviews were incredibly positive via steam uh we gave it a four out of five just like walking dead got four out of five but that same thing where like a lot of people just have great you know stale stomachs that don't get sick and yep. that's not an issue to, to sort of accommodate uh necessarily you know, and there's a lot of people that took the headset off immediately, right? That, that within five minutes of bone works, it's like, oh, I don't need to review it. I'll come back when they add more comfort options. And, yeah. you know, their reviews aren't reflected in the sort of mass mass voting. Yeah. I have to share this with you guys uh, and with our audience is that whenever I get a new game and I'm kind of iffy on whether I'm having a good time, what I typically do is I have my 14-year-old daughter jump in and play it after I do let her give me any feedback or comments that she's made. And then I go play it again with mm -hmm. her perspective in mind. And it does give me a little bit different of a, uh, an angle, a perspective. It's, uh, it's intriguing. I try not to pass judgment until mm -hmm. I've had, I've played it after hearing somebody else's comments. And that's yeah. just my process. But, but yeah. David and but, Jamie, you know, they're the main reviewers and like we, we, we talk internally about, how we're feeling and responding to things. But it's it's one of those things in our reviews where we try to make sure the reviews represent a single perspective, right? Like, and we, we reflect that. That's why it carries a single byline. Sometimes we debate these things internally, but like, it's, it's one of those things we try to respect where like yep. one person's perspective, it could be completely different than another person's. And it can frustrate readers from time to time when, yep. you know, they think that they're five out of five, in their opinion, it's a five out of five game gets a three out of five from our particular reviewer. Um, it's a yeah. tricky thing to kind of get those perspectives and represented the other, fairly. The other thing we really tried to do with our reviews when we refreshed the site last year was add in, uh, optional new sections where we talk about things like comfort and uh, like differences between versions of games because those can be really really important to people but also they might not be fairly indicative of what we're going to give the game as a score at the end of a review so it's very important to me to always lay out in a kind of non-judgmental way what uh, comfort options a game will offer for example because i think I think for some people, you know, they need to know if there's going to be like a, a smooth or artificial locomotion option. Um, to me, if a game is t making me use teleport or smooth locomotion, I'm just going to get on board with it either way. I think I I've rarely leveled that as a complaint at a game, I don't think. Um, so, but you just have to, you know, I think for us, it's important to just get all that information out there to you guys so that you know and can make a decision off of that based on your own preferences. Whereas I won't unless it, I think it's really troublesome to the inherent design of the game, I won't downgrade or upgrade a game based on its its comfort options. Mm. I think that's... Yeah. What you need to figure out hardware is is a real, is an entirely different uh, animal, you know, entirely different yeah. subject to deal with. And uh, IPD adjustment ends up being such a dramatic uh, comfort issue. And then we're also talking about fitting. You talked about the different, like... If you've got such a great strap for your head, maybe you could do the other components as interchangeable. Mm -hmm. It makes perfect sense. But like, yeah, it's a hardware is so hard to review because you can't represent uh, the, the range of face shapes. But just one person reviewing uh, 
the it's such a different thing than the comfort options in a piece of software to say like I can't wear this headset for more than fifteen minutes without getting a splitting headache. Yeah, uh, it's it's such a different uh, animal, I guess. And mm. um, the I I still have yet to we need to get more people to try the reverb on our team because yeah, the reverb was not fitted for my face, and I could I just couldn't bring myself to put together. Um, cohesive thoughts because of how it fit my face mm. mm-hmm. yeah. um, just just going back to the comments uh, Paradise DK said that what The Walking Dead really needs is like an editor mode which I think is a very good point I think people really want to have a, a mode to play around within that game um, Rendered Reality said that like uh, physical crouching should be a standard in every VR game I think is what he said I can't scroll up so I, I was paraphrasing a little forgive me if I got that wrong uh, a lot of people speaking up for like the need to have uh, both physical crouching and then an option for people that don't want to do that. Because I mean, I, I, I'm I'm 30 years old. No, I'm not. I'm 29 years old. How did I get that wrong? <laughs> and even at this age, I my knees hurt, man. When I when I crouch and stuff in, in games, it, it's painful. So I try and I can't I wait. try and crouch when I can, but you know, not. I can't wait quick. to see Alex. Can't wait to see how Alex oh, handles yeah, all this. Be because, yeah, that's going to be the big one, right? And then comparing comparing these three, right? Walking Dead, Boneworks, and then Alex, and comparing the way the three of them approached each of these issues is going to be a really telling thing for the next year of game design because I think all mm. three of those games are going to inform what we see by the end of 2020 and early 2021. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Shadow Killer, no, we can't control our eyes. They just They, they just look where Facebook tells them to look. Right. Well, no. uh, eye tracking. We'll, we'll tell him we need eye tracking next. Uh, just out of curiosity, are there any zombie games where you play a zombie and try not to get killed? Mm. Uh, not in VR, I don't think. There might be. That's a good question, okay. actually. Now okay. That, Somebody make that, please. What was yeah, that? There was, we had some some similar idea where, yeah, like uh, we were talking about that, but the, is it asymm? I can never remember asymmetrical or asynchronous, but uh. Like a game where you could play a zombie on one platform and a human on another platform, like that would be such an interesting uh, I think combination. I think that's asynchronous. But yeah, that would be cool. Yeah, that's that's the kind of stuff that's really cool in VR as well, right? Like that kind of co-op multiplayer or competitive multiplayer, different screens uh, can be a really really interesting thing. Uh, Sam Mahou says uh, he's sixteen and his knees often hurt uh, when he crouches as well, so. Yeah, I feel your pain, Sam. Also, you're meant to be practicing for an essay right now, a politics essay, I believe, and we respect you being here. Something about Brexit. I didn't read that bit. Brexit, what's that? Sub- subject of the <laughs> politics essay is how, how VR will affect politics in the 21st century. You're good to go. <laughs> yeah, oh, he's man. doing research. Well done. Don't forget to use the word democratization. Yep. Uh, okay, let's move on to the next piece of news. Unity now supports Vulcan. Uh, on the Oculus Quest, which is really cool, because it could lead to more graphical details on Quest games or larger worlds or better battery life. Uh, it's kind of amazing to have a different API, different render platform that can allow for uh, low-powered chips to do more stuff, use less power, keep more battery. It's all good stuff. Ian, uh, what do you know about this? Yeah, just uh, that came... There's a big wave of Unity news this week, right? With the other, oh, yeah. the other big update. bit being Steam and deprecating yep. their their integration with Steam and 
Valve working on a new route to get Steam integration uh, into Unity. And uh, yeah, anything that improves the battery life or performance, like I, I really hate the fixed foveated rendering on the Quest. Mm. And oh, anything yeah. that sort of lets developers dial down how much they're activating their fixed foveated rendering is a big step forward for comfort. Mm. I mean, uh, Red, Red Matter on uh, on quest that it's like kind of a other planet exploration game that game for me really set the bar for visuals on quest that has a lot of really great like uh, lighting work going on lots of really detailed reflections i don't think it's quite up there with the pc vr version for obvious reasons but it's really really close and it's a really impressive piece of work and since playing that game going into the quest versions of other like pc vr games and stuff you you kind of get this feeling of kind of hollowness in some of them, or, or, or you know, like they've they've obviously lost their sheen in some ways. Um, so I think anything that can really help, especially you know, going into this year and and Quest going from the you know the exciting new platform into having to deliver on content in some important ways. I think anything that can help developers make those extra steps, like Red Matter did, is really really important, right? Absolutely. I mean, anything that they can do to again increase battery, increase graphic quality. And uh, just be able to do things faster. I mean, some of the load times are a little. Mm-hmm. Eh, yeah, that was you know, you're sitting in thing. limbo, you know. Yeah. yeah. No, the first thing you, you don't want to. The first thing you do with VR is to put on the headset and then wait 30 seconds to actually have your opening menu loaded. Yep. You don't. You don't really want to do that for users, and Vulcan should help with that. Mm. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, James was just saying uh, that he thinks Red Matter was made in Unreal, but didn't actually end up taking advantage of Vulkan, which is really, really interesting. Um, I think they had their yeah, own I th- engine Unreal, or something like that. Unreal, yeah, Unreal's done really well on Quest, hasn't it? I think uh, they managed to squeeze all of Robo Recall onto Quest somehow, uh, which was quite impressive. So, yeah, we'll see. I, I, I th- Quest really has to start. It's been a really good year of content for Quest so far, but it's mainly been like living off these kind of slightly watered down ports. Can, and I really want to see it like pick up steam this year with that stuff. Yeah. Can you talk about your editorial, the getting to grips editorial? Because I thought that was such a valuable look at how PC VR and Quest VR differ. And Keeney has a story up this morning talking about Quest and all the comments that Facebook has said about adoption and sales of their headsets because to be clear facebook has said nothing about the actual unit sales for any of their consumer devices back in the dk1 dk2 era Mm. of developer kits they uh, facebook or oculus made charts boards where they displayed all the countries that their development kits were shipping to they said that you know how many tens of thousands of each of those dev kits were actually out into the market but as soon as they made the switch over to Gear VR and Oculus Go, Gear VR has numbers out there, but those were provided by Samsung. And mm. those numbers are pretty misleading because a lot of those headsets were given away for free. Yeah. So when you say that there's 5 million Gear VRs out there in the world, a very small percentage of those Gear VRs are actually in use. I mean, I think I was given two. By I think I got two Gear VRs for free over the course of yeah. uh, the Gear, the Gear VR years. So yeah, I totally agree with you there. Um, yeah, no, it's good that you, you bring up that editorial. Uh, Kevgret says that Beat Saber, Pistol Whip, and Audica don't seem watered down on Quest to him, and that's very true. But those games are mm. 
designed in specific ways that actually complement that platform very well. They're not the most, I think you guys would agree, they're not the most visually intense experiences, right? right. They're very stylistic experiences. Pistol Whip, I'm the one that mentions it this week. Pistol Whip <laughs> is a gorgeous, gorgeous game, but that's it's a very stylistic game, right? It's not... <laughs> New track um, out next it, week for Pistol Whip. Thanks for bringing it up. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so, so what I'm talking about, Ken, Gret, and, and, and Co, is that uh, this editorial that I wrote, uh, this was just like, like one part of it, but uh, games like Boneworks and The Walking Dead and we assume uh, in a couple of months Half-Life Alex are charting this kind of new path for VR development at the moment, I really feel that. We're learning how important physics in virtual worlds are to... Uh, really grasping what VR can do that traditional games can't. So the whole thing about The Walking Dead, um, it's, it's quite significant for me because The Walking Dead is something usually these days as a franchise I actively avoid because I'm just so bored and fed up with it. Um, but the the use of physics in this game is so impressive and unlike anything else I've played you know, outside of, of VR, um, that it's just really, really compelling and I can't, see myself going back from it in other vr games now basically um but that's an it's an intensive thing you know having a world filled with objects you can pick up and you know different levels of sharpness in different blades and different enemy types that you can hack different bits off of and stab them in different parts and then throw them into a horde of other enemies that's a lot to ask of a machine to put into vr right and the and the the thing is as good as Crest has been for its first year, how is it going to get there in the next couple of years? We don't know. It, it might not. I mean, there's a spin-off of Boneworks coming out to Quest, and that's going to be a real big uh, showcase of what Quest can do on the physics front, I think. And there's um, there's a Quest version as well of The Walking Dead coming out. And, you know, that's going to be really interesting to see what kind of cuts and concessions they have to make to get it on the platform there. Um but it just creates this really, really interesting thing because, you know, we all know now that Quest is going to be the probably the leading headset for probably the next two or three years, right? Until probably won't get any serious, serious consumer viable competition, maybe until PSVR 2, unless there's another standard that we don't know about. And yet, is it going to be the case that even though it's the most, the best selling, most important VR headset on the market, are all the games that are actually proving what VR can do and pushing the genre or the platform or the medium forward only going to be showing up on PC VR where not many people are for the next couple of years. It's a really, yeah. really interesting conundrum that I think um, I'm really hoping we'll, we'll be able to see what this piece of kit can do by the end of the year for, you know, yeah. Don't you oh. think though that link, the link cable for the quest uh, answers that question of, I can still do my mobile stuff, but if something comes out, that's too powerful to be on mobile by itself. Yeah. Jack into the computer, which is which is great, right? And I love Link. I think it's fantastic. But that that then just takes the whole mainstream market thing away from Quest, right? You, you can't have games that are exclusive to that PC environment. They don't they don't really count as Quest games, you know. If we, my grandma is, might buy a mm. Quest if I, you know, show her something that really amazes her. But then I'm not going to be able to get her to go on and then buy the PC to go with it, right? So, But she won't want to because she's not going to be that type of player. The link cable satisfies the folks who want that extreme uh, high-performance top-tier experience. Grandma isn't going to want that. Totally. I mean, but, that's just my opinion. Yeah, no, no. And I, I do see where you're coming from. But but to me, like we're talking about, you know, not to sound too 
uh, hyperbolic, but we're talking about the first VR games that are going to, you know, in 10 years from now, be viewed as what was re- what really started leading us down the path to what makes VR content so mm-hmm. immersive and uh, important, right? And mm-hmm. so as great as it is, like, I can't go back now to games that have, like, kind of Wii-style waggle uh, melee, which is what Quest might only be getting for the next year if in a, in a sword fighting game or whatever we don't know yet we have to see um, here's every quest game for the next year i but saints and sins is coming to quest as i said earlier so we will we'll just have to see how that goes i, I talked to uh developer skydance interactive they seemed pretty confident they could do a good job porting it but we'll, we'll have to see i'm gonna be really really fascinated yeah. to see how that so out. Hmm? what i want to mention here is that uh there, the there's a genre of gamer, like you know, there's a certain subcategory of people who are keying in. These are both, both from developers and from buyers that the joy of VR is around being able to say, "Can I do this? Oh yes, I can." Mm. Um, like to have that moment of surprise again and again and again with just trying something out and finding out that it works is absolutely in my opinion some of the most magical moments of vr we saw it in boneworks we're seeing it with some of these more finely tuned interactions and it's what i'm complaining about so much with go and track you know any limit to the tracking is a brick wall to trying something out and finding out that it doesn't work so like Mm -hmm. that's why we want the best tracking possible is so that when people get that in their head can i do this they actually can go and do that. And if the if the tracking isn't the best possible, they will hit a brick wall and they will not be able to do the thing that they wanted to do. And so there's, there is this subcategory of people who want the biggest, best possible tracking so that the one time in a week and a half that they decide they want to go walk over to, you know, grab something that's over there, it actually works when they do it. And a lot of these headsets are designed around like the argument that people just don't actually want to get up and walk across the room very often. So therefore, why do we make the effort of designing this whole hardware system to let people do the thing they only do once every couple of days. But I I think there's this other side of that argument where when people want to do the thing that they want to do, the VR hardware better allow them to do it. And yep. then there's the argument that the software also needs to enable the people to do that thing that they want to do whenever possible. And there we talk about hot dogs, horseshoes and hand grenades being another example of this like virtual playground that has people spending hundreds of hours in it just because uh, you get this thought in your head. I want to mess with this thing and do something odd. And lo and behold, I can do it. When you look at Minecraft and Stardew Valley, uh, which I've been addicted to recently, everything you want to do in this world, you, you know, you go, can I go and grab this thing and put it over here? And it works and it's magical. Yep. Yeah. That's what VR needs to do better. That is the magic of Boneworks, right? And that is the magic of what every, well, that's why Boneworks built so much hype up because it was a game where trailers showed you getting a crowbar hooking it over the side and then climbing up the crowbar or looking at like a wooden beam that was holding some items you wanted and what do you do you got a sledgehammer and just knocked away the beam for example um 
and yeah that's a that's a really really important uh strand of gaming right now that's going to become more important i believe in the next couple of years and i guess it, it all it all boils down to you know alex half-life alex is the most important vr game this year probably for the next couple of years maybe even uh oculus quest is the most important uh vr headset and they're not going to cross over for a long time probably then that kind of fidelity on that headset is not going to cross over except over oculus link and but here's here's the other thing i wanted to get into where uh heaney has discussed this and outlined this idea that hopefully by oc7 we might see a wi-fi dongle that you can just plug straight into a USB mm. port on your PC and it will be the wireless version of Oculus Link and allow you to take that processing power of the PC and transmit it with very low latency over to the headset and have truly the best of both worlds. Because it is yeah, it is a bummer to have to go back to the tether in order yeah, to sure. enjoy that low latency experience. And some people out there are able to withstand the the virtual desktop or other methods of wirelessly streaming, but you need that first party built-in platform support to really decrease that latency as much as possible. And those people in the comments mentioning 5G, I mm-hmm. I want to I want to see and feel how much added latency are actually provided by any of those 5G solutions. Cause like it doesn't make sense. I don't understand how you can process all this data over in the data center uh, a mile away. And why that would outperform having a very powerful GPU and CPU local to you and able to transmit over a very wide bandwidth mm. connection yep. to your local PC. I, I don't follow. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, the wireless, I think we're still a little ways off from that. But I do believe that once that happens, it will be uh, revolutionary, game changing, like literally oh. and figuratively. Oh, sure. I think it's just a matter of like, uh, are we going to see 5G make an impact on VR technology this year? I think that's unlikely. But I think it's more likely we could see a really great Wi-Fi based solution that pulls over. I mean, there's already some Wi-Fi based solutions or Y-Gig solutions. Yeah, Y-Gig, that, yeah. Yeah, that, that do that locally with you. But it's yep. just, this relates to the another thing of like alternative rendering routes, uh, alternative ways to render the stuff on your headset. We have a patent that that Heaney found where it showed the Oculus Quest carrying case used to transmit oh, yeah. uh, stuff to the headset, to, and it would reduce the bulk of the Oculus Quest headset. So it's a much lighter, smaller thing because you're offloading a bunch of the uh, rendering to a nearby wireless device and mm. um there's just so many things that could happen if a company like valve or sony or uh facebook really works out local wireless at extremely high bandwidth and low latency and everyone keeps mentioning 5g is like yeah we're going to do that over 5g from a mile away from your house and it just seems more likely we're going to see better solutions inside your home in the nearer term. Yeah, I think so. Well, do we have any comments? Yeah, everyone's very interested in the whole, uh, in the wireless angle. Uh, People are calling out a lot of the different solutions we've seen uh, so far today. Uh, HTC's uh, recently launched take on the Vive Focus Plus with PC streaming to that. Um, That's something we haven't been able to test ourselves out, but that's a very interesting one. Uh, HTC's own wireless adapter. Again, another modular bit for the Cosmos, like we were talking about earlier. 
Uh, what else have we got? Uh, Chibi says, Shadow PC is used for VR a lot with virtual desktop with no issue depending on location. But if 5G gets up and going from Amazon worldwide, uh, it would make the routes and speed it gets to that data center astounding. So everyone, everyone's kind of holding out on 5G, which is really, really interesting. Um, yeah. Watch okay. this space, I guess. Good stuff. Well, let's move on to the next piece of news here. Uh, it looks like Valve had to correct their December Steam hardware survey uh, because it was – okay, and I'm hoping one of you two is going to be able to explain this. It was skewed <laughs> by too many China users. So, and as a result, uh, some of the numbers are changed, and we can get into the details after you explain it. So I might hear a voice in my second explain, uh, saying that I'm explaining this wrong, but um, China th – this month on the Steam hardware, uh, hardware survey, it looked at first, before this update, as if uh, there wasn't a massive growth, or even I think it might have even been there was like a dip in VR usage overall. The thing was, there was a huge growth in China-speaking Steam users that uh, this month. Um, all added to the survey, inflating the numbers across the entire board. But of course, I think, now I, again, this is where Heaney might correct me. The problem is, you can't get these headsets in China. So Chinese-speaking Steam users, for the most part, can't use these headsets. So it's not really fair to compare them like that. And so I think what happened was Steam then came in this month, uh, later this month, took those numbers back down to make it much more, a, a much better, more rounded reflection of how many people on Steam are actually using these headsets. Okay. Is that right, Heaney? Yes. Okay. I, got, yes. I, I want to explain the differences in the, in the survey. So according to after the, redu after the change, it now shows that the Rift S is six hundredths of a percent increase uh. the index is two hundredths of a percent up uh the rift cv1 is one hundredth of a percent up and somehow or another the windows mixed reality headsets is down one hundredth of a percent now yeah. these are tiny changes percentage-wise in the in the scope cool, of Heaney, is i would love to display those charts because these you these numbers are only useful if you put them in the context of every month of our history of tracking and yeah, then right. you can start seeing where they all stack up relative to one another and we've got that you know heaney is out there tracking those numbers uh I'd month be, to month i'd be curious yeah. to know what that means in volume not percentage because these numbers hundreds of a percent is just of all yeah, so, Steam users, right? So, so, so of course, the like when you're talking about everyone that uses Steam, of course, those changes are going to be very, very minute in the VR charts, right? Because it's not a huge number of people on Steam using those things, mm -hmm. and month to month, those aren't going to shift very dramatically unless tomorrow Oculus started, you know, had a rift cannon and was just firing rifts out out into the cities <laughs> for free. That's the only way that those would change significantly over the month. And, that, and then you wouldn't even see them change that much, I bet. But um, in, in terms of the Windows VR, that's, I think that's obviously going down because availability of those headsets is really falling now. And I think a lot of, I think anyone that bought, you know, some of the earlier ones probably doesn't have much interest in using them anymore. I, I could be very wrong about that, but if you no, bought I think a that's Acer headset. Right. Yeah. yeah. I'm curious about... Uh, 
headset spoofing, I guess, or improperly identified Steam VR headset. So you plug mm. in something not a Rift, but it shows up well, as a Rift. Is yeah, it possible quests, that that right. kind of thing quests is happening? Show up in Steam as Rift S's in the little Steam window. You, it looks like the, you know, it's got the cameras or the 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 shape of a Rift S rather than the mm-hmm. shape of a Quest. And I'm sure but that might come up in as this. A, in this. Uh, in this oh, story, that he oh, Keeney says that the the hardware survey checks USB. Uh, yeah, but I did. Yeah, in his story, he wrote that uh, some people are reporting that when they kind of do the survey or whatever, they're getting something saying, "I think it's like headset not detected or no no device detected." So it might even be that Oculus Link users aren't actually being registered on Steam yet. I don't know. You know, it's... so I want to mention, like, okay, so this is really frustrating for us as reporters because. We've also got uh, Super Data out there pushing numbers, explaining what they think are the estimates of how many headsets are sold. And we're on the other side of this trying to grasp onto as solid numbers as we can possibly get. And it's just really, really, really difficult. And it affects developers deciding what platforms to support. And it's just so frustrating because it really benefits only Valve and only Oculus to keep those numbers to themselves. It and it's such like a it's such a self-serving thing for them not to be uh, more upfront with the developer community and more upfront with the consumers buying these headsets to say, you know, you're actually on a headset platform that isn't well supported. Like you bought a headset or you're thinking about buying a headset that doesn't have that many other people out there in the market to share your experience with that, like that affects purchasing decisions. It affects development decisions and people out there really need stronger, better numbers to hold on to than super data, giving their guesstimates every quarter that could be an order of magnitude off in some cases. Yep. And and it's really I, disappointing. I, I think Facebook will announce a quest number this year once it's past a very surprising and encouraging milestone. And then yeah, they'll suddenly act like they're super, super open and welcoming and really positive <laughs> for the community. And they'll act like they've been doing it all along. We'll be like, well, actually, for the last, you know, five, six years or whatever, you actually haven't, you've been completely quiet. But I think maybe even on Crest's first birthday or at Oculus Connect 7, if that's going to happen this year, F8. I'm sure it will. I think, or F8, yeah, that's, a, that's another great point. Like imagine Mark Zuckerberg comes out in the first ten minutes, and you know, with that lovely iconic smile he has, he says, "And that's because this year we sold two million quests." And everyone like takes their t-shirts off and goes wild. I think that's what they do. <laughs> Maybe not. The t-shirt. I like the two million number. Yeah, I like you tossing out the two million number too, because that's what my heart wants to hear too. Yeah, I, I feel like million. you said. I feel like if you said a million now, well, I don't know. Maybe that's very ambitious. If you said a million now, everyone would be like, "Oh." thought maybe it was a bit more but then maybe we're just proving their point as to why they don't say anything about these numbers yep. but <laughs> yeah uh Jay, I don't know. I, Nelson says yeah uh, he thinks they could possibly be at the one million mark so maybe i'm wrong um aaron says super data said index outsold rift s they're high on something i didn't read the last bit of that but yeah before, but <laughs> yeah I, I think we maybe agree with you there aaron see i feel like there's i could play devil's advocate and i could argue that it's valuable to the industry to not release real numbers. Uh, but I think that would just open up a huge debate between Ian and I, and then <laughs> I, I don't, I don't, we don't have time for that. 
so <laughs> let's just move on to our final piece of the news because we are dragging it on. I love it. Uh, the Oculus Store uh, sells $5 million worth of stuff on Christmas Day. And Facebook's non-advertising revenue year-over-year growth was driven by sales of Oculus Quest. Um, I, I saw this chart. And it showed their, you know, Facebook's revenue. And then it had this other, this little cap, this little icing on top of the cake of other. And you can see it year over year going up and increasing in value. Uh, are we to assume then that the other is simply VR stuff? That's it. That's that's it. Oculus Quest saved Facebook from all its many million, millions of fines and, and debt. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Finally, they're back. They're back on track after five years, right? Maybe. The, no, the probably thing, not. The thing I love about that chart is it really underscores the overall need of Facebook to have VR be a success for them. Because to their point, and to your point, Jamie, it's like their advertising section of that chart is ninety-eight percent of the chart, and then there's this two percent of other. Yeah. And to be a stronger, healthier company that can weather whatever changes come in the future, whether it be new regulation or changing usage patterns. Cause I don't believe that their user numbers are really as strong as they claim. Like I, I have not used Facebook in a real way in years. Yeah, like I, I don't post same. stuff on there. And I think that's probably representative of hundreds of millions of people just not using Facebook the way they used to, but it still has a lot of eyeballs and it still gets a lot of people to pay for advertising to get reach those eyeballs. And so just the Zuckerberg says this all the time in his explanations of why he invests in VR is to be a stronger, healthier company. We need to grow the things other than advertising and Mm. do some of the things that, you know, Apple makes all of its money off of, which is hardware profit. I mean, maybe that number isn't indicative of just VR stuff. Let's circle back to the argument you didn't want to have, but Uh, It does benefit Facebook not to detail this information, in my opinion, because the longer that they can, I mean, it's a complicated issue, but the longer that they can sort of slip into the tech industry and ship hardware that people love without too many other companies knowing the scale of the success, that actually benefits Facebook quite a bit in... um, keeping competitors from rushing for their gold mine more more so whatever however you want to phrase it but like if facebook has unlocked a gold mine in vr it actually benefits them to keep other people from trying to compete with them and uh so keeping those numbers and keeping it other and keeping it vague uh helps them sort of obscure the level of success that they achieve hmm Possibly, possibly. Any thoughts from the uh, audience here? Everyone is kind of having a lovely time talking to each other. It's actually quite nice to look at. Well, sweet. <laughs> not so Good job. The, on the Facebook stuff. But yeah, uh, Gamertag VR just joined. Uh, so hi to Gamertag. Good to see you today. Uh, yeah. Um, earlier, when they had a little tribute to Paradise DK, who was here earlier. Uh, I would like to you know, throw my hat in on that. Hi, Paradise DK. Always great to have you here. Always great to see you about the VR community. Um, hmm. Yep. Everyone's very happy yep. today. It's a really, everyone's just happy it's Thursday. 
<laughs> do we have anything else to talk about uh, for the, I mean, $5 million worth of Oculus store on Christmas day. Now I know that we all talked in the morning on Christmas day. We're like, Hey, there seems to be this incredible influx of traffic to our site, uploadvr.com. Check that. Uh, and it was amazing to see, like we were all tired. It's like, is this, is this the year? Is this the year where mm. everybody opens VR for Christmas? I mean, we've been talking, I know I personally have, and I'm sure you guys have as well, been talking about that, that, that moment where people open VR and it becomes part of our world for Christmas. And I think we kind of saw a taste we got a taste of that on christmas day and if five million dollars worth of software was sold on the oculus store imagine what that would have been if they had had gift cards <laughs> yeah that's what everyone says right i think that's a very yeah. interesting point i would have i would yeah. have gifted it's i want to throw out the other number super hot told us that they made two million dollars over all the platforms super hot was available on over a full week so yep. it's hard to compare the five million just for Oculus to the two million across all platforms. But I still want to suggest, and I think that maybe five to seven games, maybe three to seven games, probably got the majority of that five million dollars. And one of those games was Beat Saber, which is probably the top game on the list. Mm. So, like most of that money fed back to Facebook. Here's a, or a lot here's, of, an, a fair here's an interesting company. point as well. Obviously. Many of these quests and, uh, well, no, actually the quests that would have been making that money would have been unwrapped on Christmas morning and would have had that free code for the Vader Immortal trilogy, which is also worth 30 bucks inside. Did that, were Facebook sneaky? Did that count or mm. do you think it was, do you think I it was different? See, I, yeah, I'd, I think I'd, I'd like to be optimistic and there. think it didn't, but yeah. I find this number, this value of $5 million uh, to be not the right way to measure. Because yeah. how many titles are free and were downloaded? How many people got the quest, didn't have any money, and went and downloaded a dozen free things and did it? I want to see volume, not dollar amount. It's I want to know the quantity, not it's the yeah. It's just amount. it's just. I mean, I mean, we've we've kind of fallen for it because we've spoken about it very positively, but it's just you know diversions from getting away from what we were talking about last topic, which is we want to know headset sale numbers and they don't want to tell us, so they come out with these other weird inflated mm -hmm. statistics. They do it every Oculus Connect. They come out with at least two or three figures. Some of them are quite promising. Some of them you sit there for a second and think, what does that even what mean? What does that mean? Right. Really? <laughs> that's, that's the thing. Like we're playing, we're playing in Facebook's, like in both Steam and Facebook's situation, we're playing with their numbers and they can really alter those numbers however they want. Like, Facebook is now talking about family. Like, they merged all their products, Instagram, WhatsApp, and uh, the main Facebook Messenger. And so now they've got, you know, they've got this story where they try to make it seem like they grow every single month because it's like it's like an engine. Like, I, I don't know. Yep. They, they, they need to prove that they're growing and, and grasping these eyeballs and nobody else is grasping these eyeballs. Yep. And they've, so they've got to keep making the numbers appear that they're growing, getting bigger and bigger. And it's just so misleading on so many different levels. Because if you go back to the Gear VR numbers, you know, Mark Zuckerberg, there's that photo of Mark Zuckerberg walking through the Samsung crowd with all the people in Gear VRs. And then he gets up on stage yeah. and says, there are something like a million people using VR each month. Yep. And you start thinking about that number and going, 
what does that mean? Are they watching 360 videos? Are they Did, are they just in a shopping center? It was like they were walking past and Samsung like threw it on their head for like a yeah like a 360 <laughs> video commercial or something like that. Yeah, it's absolutely such a it's so ambiguous and frustrating in that sense. The other thing to to that point is I I think it was last earnings call Facebook. Uh, Zuckerberg said something along the lines of like VR is taking a little long. Well, it's taken a little longer than we thought it would. And he said that kind of in the safety that now Quest is doing pretty well. And if you look back at all the many, many other uh, financial calls they've done over the year, he would be saying it's it's taking as long as we expected. You know, we always said this was going to be this long of a journey, and we were. Or Nate Mitchell famously said that you know expectations of, of everyone else apart from Oculus got ahead of themselves and stuff like that. And the the further you get away from the past, the more the truth of the past kind of ekes out a bit um, in that sense. So it, it's it's an important reminder not to take everything they say on these calls and stuff at face value, I think. At Facebook value? <laughs> hey, I love it. That was actually pretty good. I'll pat you on the thank back you. for that one. That's, no, thank you. Thank you. I felt that. Uh, okay. So uh, that's our news, and we've got some other conversations that we want to have, but let's get into very quickly uh, release of the week. Uh, mm. If we can do release of the week. Uh, do, Ian, did you play anything this week? Anything yeah, new? So, anything fun, exciting? So I right before I came over here, I was able to get my uh, Oculus Link working. So um, I got sent a free cable to test from party link that's the cable that we tested a three meter version of right before the the official oculus link cable they went and built a nearly five meter version of the party of the party link cable so it's a longer version of that cable and it was a it's a very weird experience uh unless people demand to know you know the link for it i don't want to mention i don't want to send people to it just yet because uh it's a 3.1 usb cable which means I tried connecting it to the same port, the same USB-C port that I could connect the official Oculus Link cable to, and it doesn't work. Mm. But if I connect this 3.1 cable to the 2080, uh, the RTX 2080 card, if I connect it to the USB-C on that card, this cable actually works. Hmm. And so I was looking at the first reviews to come in from people who actually bought this cable on Amazon, and people are saying it doesn't work. So it's uh, it's a complicated situation here to find out why it doesn't work. But I think it's be- probably because it's this 3.1 c- cable. Point is, I hooked up this new uh, – it's, it's half price. It's half price the price of the official Oculus Link cable. So it's a cool you know, value in theory if it actually works for your system. So I, I hooked that cable up, and I did this right before I came over. It was the coolest thing to be able to do this. First, I tried Orders of Magnitude which is an early access title on Oculus uh, Rift that I was able to test. And it's similar in a sense to Titans of Space, but it is more in line with the idea of, let's show you uh, the different sizes of everything in the universe. So you start off with like an Earth scale, and you can zoom in all the way down to Atom scale and get a sense of like every five seconds or something, the scale changes by magnitude and you you get to see the distance of space it's like that scene in ant-man when he shrinks himself down uh into uh mini mini space and you get the sense of space so that was kind of cool but what i did was i uh sorry yeah um the the right term thank you thank you not mini space i'm sorry only science uh but i did that over this party link oculus link cable 
which was cool to sort of uh, do on Oculus Link Beta. So that I'm using beta software on Oculus Quest, and then I'm using an early access piece of software from Oculus. And then I unplugged the Oculus Link cable and went into wireless mode. And then I tried the T for God hand tracking demo that you just got the video up about, Jamie. Once you get hands into most VR games, then you have no physical way of telling yourself to walk around an environment, right? So you go back to like early, early VR with something like Job Simulator where you, you're not really moving. So that's the best way to play the game. Uh, and T for Gods doesn't have that issue because you're walking physically. And it's a lot of fun. It's really, really, it's just very, very strange. And I'm going to have to like calibrate myself to VR all over again with it, basically, when you're walking around these environments fully immersed. And now the only thing really to tell me I'm, 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 I'm not in another world is the weight on my quest. Um, as a way I used to have, you know, the feeling like I've got now with controllers in my hands and that's, you know, these touch controllers are amazing and they try and get out of the way as much as possible, but they're still in my hands. I still know they're here. Um, and We've then been here more like, than an hour and yeah, I'm feeling the weight in my hands is starting to get to me. Yeah. I'm, I'm, my, my biceps are bulging. Yep. There we go. <laughs> this is my um, workout routine. But, um, <laughs> but actually, so yeah, no, that's, it's really fun. It's very buggy. Uh, the entire thing is, uh, in a beta build. So it's completely free to check out. Um, and you absolutely should if you want to go and see like an, an actual game using uh, the hand tracking support in its very, very early state. It's, it's, you're going to wrestle with it as much as you are, enjoy it, because there's going to be so many times you lose hand tracking, stuff like that. But ton of fun. Definitely go check that out if you have side quests and you're into you know, side loading on, on quest. So it's cool to see a game or to hear of a game because I haven't played it yet myself that has that directed walking mm. type of situation. That's been around for a while. I actually tried yeah. that way back on an old WorldViz headset back in like 2013, oh, okay, 2014. Yeah. yeah. And I walked around a big gymnasium. So my question is this this game, T for Gods, would it make sense to go and try to play this on like a soccer field or a gymnasium? And would the bigger area yeah, provide I, a better that's experience? A great that's a great question. I haven't been able to play it a more a bit on a bigger scale, but I do th I think, and I could be very wrong about this, but I think the game accommodates for all different kinds of play space sizes. What I, what I will say is is conversely, I live in a tiny, tiny London flat where I'm mm. often you know fighting the walls as much as I'm fighting a virtual <laughs> enemy. Um, the, the the design in this game uh, is so tight and well considered that even just walking around in my tiny flat i've never actually worried about like walking into a wall or coming up too close to something and it's it's always steered me in the right direction so i think you know wherever you're going to play it you're going to have a, a great time as long as you can as long as you actually have do have some room scale space is this a coin term yet arena scale is that arena is that a term scale. already i think so that's, okay. that's Facebook, Facebook kind of coined that a little bit at the with their Dead and Bury demo uh, at OC5, yeah. and I'm I guess I'm I'm glad you brought that up because I'm we're trying to do a story about that progress because uh, Facebook has they they showed that Dead and Bury demo two years ago now mm. and have basically provided no updates on the status of a co-location API which would allow two quests in the same space to know where each of them are relative to each other and it's a complicated issue because there's there's privacy considerations you don't want the headsets to 
necessarily share maps with each other of the rooms uh, and then have developers or side-loaded developers downloading uh, the geometry of your space and having a, a map of your living room. So they have to figure out how to make that work very securely. And there's other options. There's other people doing various ways of co-locating and, and getting the position of the various headsets. You can have uh, two headsets link themselves up, you know, manually. And But bottom line is there's a number of developers out there, uh, four or five of them that I know of right now, who have these co-located experience in the offing, including Space Pirate Arena, which yes. would be the sequel or whatever you want to call it to one of the best way, the first and best wave shooters uh, in VR. And it allows you to have a game of tag almost in a space where you are running very, very fast around another player. And if you don't have an absolutely one-to-one play space and you don't have the proper warning of just how far away, my very first, my very first five demo, I remember the first time I interacted with Chaperone, I watched a person go into the five before me and they walked up to the wall and the chaperone didn't activate quickly enough. And they were, they almost hit the wall. They came within two inches of the wall. And from that point on, every time I interact in VR, I am more scared of walking into a wall. And Mm -hmm. to think that the space pirate arena, people are running across rooms you have to have such incredible boundaries and a real mm. solid knowledge of just how dangerous what you're doing is. Yep. Um, yeah. Well, let's hope that Facebook and all these developers figure out how to do this uh, co-experience in the arena scale. Let's hope that this technology isn't, are you ready for it, Jamie? Let's hope that technology isn't dead and buried. Uh. <laughs> Oh, I really wish I hadn't laughed. Damn it. Oh, oh, thank you. Oh, awful. No? Oh, okay. D- All right. Do you know, Kyle, our commenters are clairvoyant and Nostradominus. Is that what you say? Is that what his <laughs> name is? The, the, the guy that's really good at telling the future? Anyway. Um, <laughs> Nostradamus, because yeah. Somebody else made comments, that. We have... gave it the British pronunciation. Nostradamus. That's... Like oh, did aluminium. Like, oh, well, aluminium? Is that like uh, a, But I think it was... Yeah, yeah, no, al- aluminium is the only way that word is said. Anyway, um, Eric Hartley says, XR, by definition, is extended reality. And for some people, it oh, includes no. VR, virtual reality, and AR, augmented reality. MR, by definition, is mixed reality. And there are various interpretations <laughs> now. Why, why is he clairvoyant, Carl? Because it is time for our hot topic of the week. And I hope you are all strapped in and ready for this conversation. Ian, tighten your seatbelt, tighten your head straps, because here it comes. The hot topic for this week is what do the terms VR, AR, MR, and XR actually mean? Does it matter? Do we care? Who's right? Who's wrong? Where's the industry going to go? I'll tell you right now, Ian and I have varying opinions on this as well. I mean, actually, I think everybody has a little varying opinion on it. Uh, There's been a tweet storm. If you're on the tweeters, you saw that there have been all sorts of people weighing in and giving their opinion, including myself. And uh, I don't know, Jamie, if you did or not, but I know Ian uh, made a comment. Heaney actually made a comment. 
Ian, I've been trying to let, steer clear. Yeah, I'm going to let not make you start. Oh. You uh. start, and then I will rebut because I know I will. Okay. I'm just gonna uh. just before you guys start. I'm just gonna go into the wall for this. Okay. Uh, Farewell. I'll Farewell. just I'll just let you guys talk. See you later, guys. Bye. Just so you guys know before we, we before we start though that uh, uh, Paul Milgram and that whole scale and everything has been discussed so uh, know that we are informed on the varying uh, standards in terms of definition so go ahead Ian yeah okay so I'll, I'll skip that I'll skip the formal definitions and say that I guess it seems like when people are bored, or have nothing, you know, that they go to Twitter and they'd start dis- discussing the semantics of this stuff. And Do they? People bored yeah, on Twitter? Yeah, they go on Twitter and just, let's argue <laughs> about definitions for three days. It's such a waste of time to me. I try to, I've been trying to avoid this discussion as much as possible. And when Kyle brought up the idea that we're going to discuss this on the download, or what, did you bring it up? I'm like, I, went, I just brought on our Slack because it's just... It's mind-numbing to go over this stuff over and over again. But here's, I guess my takeaway is that (laughs) (laughs) uh, it is beneficial to the companies involved in this space to trademark the terms or to own some of the terminology that people use. So we see that with the Windows Mixed Reality platform, and we also saw that with uh, Intel's merged reality, and I begged Heaney, uh, our our studio god, to play that Intel <laughs> merged reality video because it's the worst video ever made about VR technology. It's 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 the it's the worst marketing of that year, and it's it's indicative of a time in the VR space when nobody knew what was going on or how how to actually appeal to people with this technology or explain how it worked. Like if you compare that window Intel's merged reality. So they have this video where Intel shows a person walking into a party and this voiceover going, what if you could stop time? What if you could (laughs) jump into a pool? What if you could take a helicopter to fly away uh, from the, it's just the stupidest video. Heaney God has but just like, put the, the link to the video in the comments, so if you look at the yeah. comments, you'll, you'll be able to see it. Watch it, watch it later, though. Thank you, Heaney God. you. Clearly spent millions of dollars to produce that thing, which is absolute marketing junk. Mm. But technically, you've got MR, merged reality. You've got another term for people to like turn into an acronym, and Intel is trying to sort of define, explain what they're doing. And on the flip side of that, Intel is up on stage showing their alloy prototype headset, which allows you to have a person walk into your space and then suddenly see them inside your VR headset and you can interact with them as if they're in that space with you mm-hmm. and you're able to do things in a merged way. Oh, there's my quote fingers. Ooh. Um yeah, it just makes me so mad to see these companies try to own these terms and then confuse a market while people are just trying to describe this stuff in the simplest ways possible. And so I'm going to argue what what's close to what Heaney was saying is that I think VR is the term that's going to win because I think uh, short term, we're going to see VR catch on. I think we're still a few more years away from AR really catching on in a super compelling way. And uh, mixed reality of this thing where you interact with uh, other stuff in your environment 
is just a feature of VR headsets eventually. Um, and I don't know, so maybe think, one day we get AR. You but. think when HoloLens can do full VR as well, it will, it will be called a VR headset? Yeah, it's, so like I, I interviewed um, interviewed Alex Kipman, the, the person sort of planning the headset, and he argues that the headsets will be able to turn opaque eventually. Yeah. And sure, but that's that's a lot of engineering work for a feature that I don't know if people like I, I Wait, you want you to go to a virtual world or you want to walk around the world with added stuff in your sunglasses. You don't necessarily want an AR headset that turns into a VR headset. Like that's it's there's, well, there's, there's two crazy. separate I would use love cases. That. Sure. I think that's years, I think that's the like, end goal, isn't it? Sure that like a standalone headset that does both is is the end goal, surely. No, but like the argument is that this is where we get to the super complicated uh, definitions here, but you could have a VR headset that gives you a pass-through view of the environment around you. And so you've just got an opaque display that suddenly recreates the environment around you in a really compelling way. And do you really need a transparent display system to provide that? The, 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 the transparent displays have such hard issues to get through. There's brightness, there's uh, the amount of transparency, there's the uh, uh, occlusion, there's just a nonstop series of things to overcome to make the transparent displays as compelling as they need to be for you to like walk into a really sunny uh, place and have fully solid digital objects represented right in front of you that you can't your brain can't discern what's real and what's digital anymore that's mm. that's so many years away that it seems like we're more likely to have vr headsets that display your real world pass through view much shorter term and then we've got this you know vr sort of weighing people's understanding of what of what this technology is capable of. Like VR is the thing that people put on their heads first. It's what they, the term they learn. I hear, i hear people put on these headsets for the first time and stumble over the words. What is this called? Augment, aug virtual. Like they stumble yeah, over to true. try to wrap their brain around it. And so there's only that they're going to learn whatever the first thing they encounter is. And that's why Microsoft is pushing mixed reality, Windows mixed reality as their term. And that's why Intel tried to push merged reality in such an awkward like, way. I feel like, it, 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 especially in Microsoft's case, it backfired there, right? Mixed reality was what they came up with specifically for HoloLens. And when it started to come apparent that HoloLens was going to take a little while longer, they kind of like tried to tie the market over with their... VR stuff, which, you know, because they wanted that term, they called them mixed reality headsets. And I remember me and you watching that conference where they announced them thinking, yeah, but they're VR headsets, aren't they? And then I had an interview with them last year where they were like, yeah, it would be accurate, accurate to describe them as VR headsets. And I was like, yes, because that's what they are. Please stop making <laughs> us call them mixed reality headsets. And I feel like they've actually uh like gone back on that a little bit Par paradise dk came up with a term he would like them to be called emerging pancakes and dan war <laughs> dan war followed that up with alternate pancake mix I'd, but yeah <laughs> that's that's what i got for you thank you for that are, you, are you ready yeah i'm done i'm done go ahead kyle okay <laughs> uh so 
I just want to put it out there right now that uh, no matter what you call it, I mean, we all agree that it's cool tech. And, you know, ter- if we're squabbling over which letter to put in front of the letter R, that that's okay with me. I mean, I'm all right with somebody who wants to disagree with me. Everybody has an opinion. As long as we all agree that it's cool tech, I'm fine with that. But a long time ago, before all of this mixed reality and merged reality and XR were even mentioned at all, we had VR and we had AR. And somebody asked me once, what's the easiest way to explain that? And my answer was simple. VR is you have to worry about the environment. The environment doesn't already exist. The environment has to be created. You put fake stuff in a fake world. With AR, it's fake stuff in the real world. And it was easy to keep those definitions separate until all of these other tertiary terms showed up. And it's like, well, now what do we do? So uh, I've actually gotten so deep into conversations where people are like, well, do you capitalize the X or lowercase in the XR? I'm like, if we're nitpicking this far, <laughs> it's absurd. So whatever you end up deciding to call it, uh, just understand that you're all talking about the same stuff, uh, you know, a rose by any other name sort of thing. So I- I'm not going to get too deep into it because if you really want to know all of my opinions and stuff, go check out my Twitter. But uh, I-, I-, I think the key here is that there does need to be a standard eventually. And all of you that want to say, I call it a car, I call it an automobile, I call it a horseless carriage, I call it spatial computing, I call it immersive technologies, XR, MR, AR, VR, RR, Martin. I I don't know. Whatever you want to call it, just know that it's awesome. See, this way we don't have to have an argument. You've spoken your mind, I've spoken my mind, Jamie's spoken his, and then everybody can make a judgment for themselves because it's not our job to dictate this stuff. Well, uh, we just offer it our finds a, It finds a way naturally, right, is the thing. Yeah. Well, yeah I mean, like, I don't think we're at the point where we will find a, a natural way until, you know, all of this is, is, is worth talking about on a larger, more public-facing scale, right? And it's not right now. Yep. It's... it's Lots of yep. Silicon Valley people with lots of money sitting around liking to make themselves feel really, really important by coming up with terms like XR and stuff like that. It's, it's, it's definitely yeah. a, a, one element of it. So I have had hours long conversations with folks who agree, disagree, have all sorts of weird opinions. And a lot of them are very valid, but you're entitled to your opinion on it. It's it's up to uh, you. I, I, you disagree with that, don't you? <laughs> Um, well, I think we do kind of dictate the terms in that a lot of people read us and we're going to inform a lot of people's first opinions of how this technology makes sense. And I don't want to say we dictate, we don't define it, but it's like we will shape a lot of people's understanding of how this technology works. And I go through this every time in our articles. If you go to our articles on uploadvr.com, Uh, We try very hard to edit them to make sure that they're right, but we have acronyms all the time. And every time we use an acronym, you are denying someone an understanding of what this technology is about. If you use Mm -hmm. API, Application Programming Interface, in an article, you're going to have some percentage of the community come to your story and go, what is an API? And sure, there might be people that look at when you write out API as its full term, go, I already knew that. Why did they explain it? I think it's better during these early years to always spell out almost every acronym 
and really explain the underlying meaning of these technologies whenever possible. And that people end up arriving at these acronyms because one of you said it where like they've got to now write a book and now I need to uh, not say XR or extended reality or whatever stupid term they've come up with a million times. I need to go and do it. But as journalists and as writers, the way to do it is on first reference, write out the whole thing and explain what it is. And then after that, you use the abbreviation and I think for these next few years, you have to approach it from that perspective of explaining the term almost every time so that the people understand what you're referring to. And the fewer terms we use to do that, the less confusion there is. And we, we typically avoid XR and MR in our stories mm-hmm. specifically for that confusion reason. And, we, we, and then on the flip side, anytime we use a, an acronym, MMO, Massively Multiplayer Online Role-Playing Game, it's this massive... Uh, acronym that just if a person isn't familiar with video games looks at MMO and goes for a moment of confusion what is that I I'm gonna stop reading and I'm turned off of this technology for a little while because I didn't understand because it's too technical for me that's the worst possible thing well uh, when we receive uh, uh, press releases or uh, information from companies when they use the terms XR and MR, uh, do you feel compelled to email them back, correct it or no. ask for something? I, I, I mean, I, you're wrong. I strip, we, we strip out the, we strip out the marketing terms, whenever, And we take the effort to spell out what we're talking about in very clear ways. We're working so hard to spell this stuff out clearly so that there's a, uh, a limited amount of confusion. We had this issue with Facebook rolling out hand tracking. Um, so they, they add OC6. They announced hand tracking for Oculus Quest. And we wrote our story. And our headline said, Facebook announces finger tracking for Oculus Quest or something. And I got an email from a PR person saying, actually, could you go back and edit that? Make it hand tracking? And I, I ran around to OC6 a little bit trying to talk to the engineers and understand why do you call it hand tracking and not finger tracking and their argument is that they're actually tracking the whole hand plus the fingers so therefore we should call it hand tracking and okay i understand that argument we've started going forward calling it hand tracking and spelling out as often as possible exactly what is being tracked there but then you get to this other situation with like the index controllers what are the index controllers doing are the index controllers doing hand tracking are they doing finger tracking because the, the whole controller is tracked. You've got a tracked hand controller, but then the individual digits and their movements are tracked as well. So that's finger tracking. How do you refer to both when the index controllers actually give you real physical feedback when you're tracking all five fingers, but the Oculus Touch controllers only track uh, all uh, three uh, fingers? In this my way. answer to that would be that finger tracking is a subset of hand tracking. Yeah, I think that's I think that's fine. But like every time this oh, issue comes we're up, going there really are PR down people. the rabbit hole now. I know, aren't we? <laughs> we do Ooh. hear from these PR people all the time who try to correct us, and we're going back at them to try to push back and just make sure all that matters here is clarity for new people entering this space. And when you see Windows or Intel or anyone trying to define a term, we had this with room scale. The term room scale oh, was right. a debate early on between Palmer, Lucky, and <laughs> Facebook, and what Valve was doing. 
And all that mattered was uh, I've got outside in, outside in another one. Um, but I've got a very large scale space where I am fully tracked. My hands are fully tracked and I can do whatever I want and it works. And that's what mattered because at that time, Oculus, you couldn't turn around just like the PSVR. You only had the, the one sensor up here and you couldn't really turn around and, and do everything you wanted to do in a virtual space. And so we had to spell out every time, this is what the difference is between these tracking systems. Mm. I, I find your opinion and your logic of why we need it to be simplified to be very valuable to the community and uh, to our reader. Know your audience and know what they understand. And we know that we've got people who are veteran devs, you know, who know all the terminology and know all the different cases of everything. And then there's these folks who are brand new to it. And we want to be as inclusive to them as we are to the veterans. And it's important to find a, a happy medium, a common ground where everybody can feel like you don't want to be talked down to. You don't want to be uh, left in the dust and, and not understand everything that's going on. So we do, and I appreciate the fact that, that, that that's important to us as a publication to keep that kind of stuff uh, easy to understand. Yeah. So there's, there's good to that. Uh, Jamie, is there any more comments, opinions? Yeah. People are very, very interested in the topic too. Um, I great point from Greg's VR. You know, we were talking about subsets just then. Uh, he said everything is a subset of VR, which I thought was a really nice way of like just actually then just yeah. generally trickling down. That's a really good point there, Greg's. Um, and apart from that, yeah, I, I mean, everyone's everyone has their own opinion on this, which is really really interesting. Uh, Andrew King says, "I'm glad that Upload VR cares to have this conversation, which is great." I chose one that you know. Let's just pat ourselves on the back. Pat me on the back, Carl. Okay, here we go. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you, Andrew. Um, fingernail tracking is next, says James. I really hope not because I bite my fingernail, so that would probably have some kind of horrid <laughs> implication. Um, yeah. Uh, Vive controllers are tracking the hands, aren't they? Asked James. But uh, yeah, but like we said, like um, it's all different subsets. And then I think subsets is actually a really good way to to uh, think of it from now on, actually. I think that's how I'm going to change. What I thought while you guys were talking about that was, I think I've designed a really good, in my head, a really good Buzz Lightyear VR game. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, that's not random at all. I was just thinking about it, and I, I've got a really good one, guys. Don't worry. It's going to be okay. It's going to be good. Coming soon. Do you would, like... You know how Buzz... Like, so we're playing Deep Gods. And like it's a bit hard to make the gun fingers, and then I thought, but how do you do anything about that? Well, if you had a a laser mounted on your wrist that you pressed with this yeah. button, that'd be pretty good. I yeah, like just... that. It's really awkward to like look down the barrel of your finger. Right? Yeah, you it can't do. Really it. makes sense, but doing this Iron Man style makes a lot more sense. Yeah, and, exactly right. You know, doing a less—that's a very good argument for like the our violence discussion that we want to have eventually, right? Because uh, I want to say Jeremy Balenson over at Stanford argued that guns in VR should be different in some fundamental way from their real-world counterparts mm. because the argument being made that you could train or practice uh, and learn how to uh, do kill. bad things with, yeah, to, to, to kill people with this technology. It's the core, one of the core uses of this technology is training. 
Uh, but then there's the flip side of that, like Anton Hand, Hot Dogs, Horseshoes, and Hand Grenades, arguing that there is still a massive, massive gap between what these simulations of guns are and what an actual gun is. But to your point, you know, putting a laser or a gun on the back of your hand is completely different than the actual gripping and trigger functionality of a real gun. It would be um, a really fun, interesting idea to have you look down the barrel of your wrist uh, and it would sort of avoid that violence or training situation because nobody has wrist-mounted lasers. I can already tell that when we do have that conversation, it is going to be... The no. only topic we're going to be able to cover yeah. in that episode. Yeah. I it's, really it's, do it's think it's a tricky it's subject. I mean, yeah. we haven't had that discussion yet because it's a sensitive issue. And I, if there's people out there that uh, think they could add real value to that discussion, please email us at tips at uploadvr.com to sort of throw your hat in the ring. I, I'll talk to Heaney. I, I wish we could get people in here uh, via some kind of voice chat system if they're away from their headset or you know can't can't meet us in vr because it's that type of discussion is so valuable to have yeah we can just stick a uh, little stick figure with a picture of their head on next yeah. to the in the chair next to you yeah it's it's going to be an interesting discussion when we do decide to do it uh last check for comments anything uh yeah talking about the gun thing a lot of people were talking about the differences between real guns uh, greg says that he went to a vegas gun store in 2010 and it does it you uh, Desert Eagle kicks like a mule, which is something that, you know, like getting into that conversation at some point, we'll, ha- we'll definitely be talking about, which is a really interesting point. Uh, James also says, I think the whole topic of violence in VR is interesting. Uh, the Medal of Honor news for him is something that is a point of interest. And that's a very, again, that's something I'll, I will definitely bring up when we talk about that. Because I personally found the trailer that uh, they introduced that game with to be a little on the insensitive side. But anyway, that's the, that's another episode. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, well, I guess. <laughs> what? I think that's enough. I think that's what enough. What did I do for... wrong? No, no, you're so no, cool. It's, well, it's your cool hand things when you do this stuff and just like, oh, I'm look out into space. Today. You've got this yeah, cool this... like butterfly thing going on. Like, woo. Okay. I'm just my legs are crossed and resting on a knee in front of my face. That's it all. works. It works. Yeah. Okay. So let's wrap this episode up here, folks. Uh, really great stuff. Uh, we want to direct you to uploadvr.com for all of your, like I say at the beginning of the show, news, reviews, comments, and interviews. And uh, I feel like, Jamie, do you have uh, anything you'd like to pitch to everybody that they might want to go check out? What are we working on right now? Um, I, th- I, I still want people to go back and watch uh, our episode of The Culture Show, third episode of The Culture Show. That was a really great episode. We filmed in Japan, saw a lot of really cool Arcade stuff, uh, definitely a really, really fun video. Um, check out the 10 minutes of Tifa God hand-tracking gameplay that we put up today. That's a really cool demonstration of what you can do with that tech. Uh, next week, I don't feel like there's any big releases or any big things happening. You got anything? Yeah, just whatever unexpected things come, yeah. I... So, February. After watching the VR Culture Show, though, uh, I, I want to do this virtually, and then someday maybe I'll do it for real. But I just want to tussle your hair a oh, little bit. Actually, that got cut the other day, so it's not so oh, no. tussable right now. But um... It's not tussable. Okay. All right, everyone. Anyway. I think that's a wrap for this week. Thank you very much for watching. Thank you. And we will see you in the future. Bye, guys. Bye.